Welcome to Chat Indie Tea with ASNT. I'm your host, Kitty Horowat. Today I'm joined by Ricky Morgan, the Vice President of FlawTech and an ASNT Fellow. Ricky has previously held many officer and board member roles for ASNT, up to and including chair at both the local and national level. He's a level three certificate holder and welding inspector with 32 years of inspection and NDT experience. Currently, Ricky serves on the board of directors for the American Aerospace Technical Academy, and he was just elected to serve as a section operations council representative to the board of directors for ASNT. Ricky, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Kitty, for contacting me. This is uh, pretty exciting. I really enjoy um, getting feedback and, and giving back to the ASNT uh, group and society. So it's uh, it's really nice to talk to you. Yeah, you are our first repeat guest. You were on last year with Haley. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for coming back. <laughs> no problem. I, I, I enjoy that. And with 32 years, I hopefully I have something to talk about. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about your work with flawed specimens. Um, and I have to start by asking, how did you end up putting flaws and things on purpose? Well, um, it, it started back in 1982, um, for, as far as tech goes. Um, George Fargo, um, who actually passed away in 2008, who the tutor- tutorial citation is um, named after, um, he was originally a, an instructor back in uh, at Ridgewater, back in uh, Minnesota, and he later came to Epry. And he was involved in the the program, uh, the um, performance demonstration program at Epry in developing flawed specimens. So, of course, they came up with the coarse field removed real specimens are, are some of the best specimens you can have, so you can practice on the real life thing. But unfortunately, you have to either wait for a demo or cut something out. And a lot of times you have to do destructive testing to verify the sizes and lengths that are actually in a flawed specimen. Because, you you know, you depending on what NDT method, you may have a slightly different size and length and volumetric of that. So, um, it, and it probably started a little before that. I mean, as long as we've had NDT, we've probably been, we've been making plates of our own having welders do it and then a level three will verify and then maybe have another level three verify that his, that he's matched up the flaws properly. But, um, flaw manufacturer, we build flaws to a very tight tolerance. So irregardless of what NDT method you're using, we give mechanical measurements that allow you to know that is the actual size of the flaw in the part, irregardless of what NDT method you're using. Got it. So it sounds like you made it a lot more specific. So, yeah. Where are flawed specimens used in the industry and who are the people who are using them? Um, they're used pretty much all over the industry. Um, we work with virtually, I, I would say, every industry, aerospace, uh, railroad, uh, infrastructure, um, just about every industry that um, oil and gas, a lot of oil and gas, um, both inline inspections and for uh, you know surface inspections, uh, fabrication and refineries. Um, it's used everywhere to qualify NDT techs. Um, people that use them, um, technicians use them to train and practice. A lot of the NDT schools use them to train and, uh, and train new technicians or incoming technicians. Um, service companies buy them to test their personnel to qualify them for certain projects or for their own internal qualifications. Um, petrochemical companies use them to qualify service companies that come in 
they'll sometimes have a battery of tests they need them to run through to determine corrosion, different types of things. And then, of course, um, inspection societies, um, the AWS, uh, AST, API, ASME are all using samples now um, to run the qualification tests and uh, verify uh, per people's uh, performance demonstration. But it's also used by industry for uh, performance um, PODs, probably detections. We make a lot of samples for that kind of thing where you make multiple samples and they try over and over, usually somewhere between 50 and 60 samples sometimes of the almost the same flaw and they pass them out and they uh, verify how many times people can find them. And then also performance demonstration, we do lots of mock-ups for specific industries for like finding a specific flaw in a certain location. Um, we've done flaws on uh, anchor chains for uh, a mooring type uh, offshore structures. We've done uh, um, link pins and different things for like bridges. Um, any kind of connection, um, we're actually working with an amusement park now that has a new special ride they're doing that they wanna make sure they can inspect a certain part while it's in service. So we're putting flaws in that similar piece and that way they can verify whoever comes in and looks at it can um, see wh what the, where the flaw is and see how well they can find it. Got it. So it sounds like it's kind of completely integrated into the NDT industry. Goes yes. Hand in hand with everything you do. I think, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's really interesting for me being, having worked in the industry as a, actually a service provider for um, 32 years, almost actually only 30 years because I've been here for two years, but um you know, all the times I wish I could have had some of these mock-ups that we make to, you know, to verify, to know for sure you're seeing the same thing that's actually there. It makes you very confident in your approach to finding flaws when you know you've found the flaws in the in the samples. And when you see them in, in the field, in the reel, um, you're very confident that you're making the correct call. And that's always, it's always good to have a confident technician who knows he's made a good call. Absolutely. So what kind of process do you use to create these flaws? Well, we most of our pro, our flaws are, I mean, almost all our flaws are real. Um, if we if it's slag, we put in slag. If it's a crack, uh, we, we manufacture a crack and um, implant it into, into the piece. We Same thing for lack of fusions. These are all um, real, real flaws that we put in, porosities and all that. Um, we... We manufacture them just basically like they do in the real world by accident. We do it on purpose. And so with that, how do you ensure that you're not creating unintentional flaws in addition to the intentional flaw you're trying to make? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> it really is because that's, that's where the skill set comes in for our, our, our flaw technicians. Um, they have worked. It takes about between one to two years, depending on how good the person is. Um, or how experienced they are, how easy they take to it. But it takes about one to two years for a person to be a full-fledged uh, flaw technician. Um, it takes a lot of control and uh, a lot of work and a lot of training under someone that's done this for a while. Um, and what we do we do here is we, we have a pretty, pretty stiff quality program. And every specimen we make, we check for what we call well cleanliness so that there are no unintended flaws other than the flaws that we put in on purpose. And if we do find those, um, we will offer the customer to, to keep that particular flaw and annotate it on their as-built, or we can go back in and remove that flaw that's in the way and then 
and rebuild that piece to make sure that only the flaws that are supposed to be there are there. But we've got a pretty good record of not having to redo those. So that's uh, that works out pretty well. Makes you the experts, right? Yes, yes, it does. It makes a big difference. Um, we have uh, meetings periodically to discuss how to do things a little bit better. Um, there's certain, of course, there's always a certain flaw technician that is a little better at making a certain flaw than others. And it's a very important that they, they, they cross talk and help each other here. So it makes it kind of a tight niche within our group here. Register now for ASNT 2020, the annual conference. This year's annual conference is going completely online with a brand new virtual conference experience. That means you can attend from wherever you are in the world without having to worry about travel. We've made this virtual conference the perfect way to connect with NDT peers from around the globe. As we feature top speakers, unique networking opportunities, and a virtual exhibit hall where you can get to know industry vendors one-on-one. -on -one. We've recently announced our keynote speaker, Tom Morrison, who will speak on life after COVID-19 and his future 4.0 thinking. Your registration to the annual conference gets you an unbeatable amount of top content. Register now at asnt.org annual. Don't forget that members get exclusive registration discounts. Visit asnt.org annual to learn more. Now, you mentioned this before, and you've worked in several different positions across the NDT industry. You have a very extensive resume, even just with your volunteer service with ASNT. How did flawed specimens intersect with your work throughout the years? Well, um, they, they intersected right from the very beginning, actually. Um, I went to the College of Oceaneering um, after I got out of the Army, and um, I just asked for commercial diving, and then they also had an NDT program. So right from the very beginning, right after we finished the diving portion, we go into the NDT portion. We had um, samples that we used to take underwater and samples we did in the classroom right from the very beginning on training on those and, you know, hone, trying to hone your skills and get some experience, you know, turning on the machine, scanning the machine, calibrating the machine, and then looking for flaws and, and hopefully documenting them properly. And of course, if you didn't do it right, then you get another sample and you try again. And you, it, it, you know, rep, repetition and uh, more often, more hours you spend on. Well, I'm talking mostly about ultrasonics, but the most time you spend on the screen or or setting up your source or with your eddy current machine um, in a, a, a training setting, um, the more confidence you'll have in the real world once you get out there and you see what because once you've seen more things. The more things you see, the more things you understand what you see. So the greater opportunities you have at, at seeing flaws that you've seen before and you can call them out properly. Yes. So I know that there's, in addition to um, there being tons of different types of flaws that can be created, there's uh, different types of specimens. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between standard, code-specific, and custom specimens? Sure. So um, our standard specimens um, are just... Um, Let's see. Our standard specimens are, ver are relatively simple, and they're made at a lower tolerance of quality, slightly. Um, they're they're plus or minus one hundred fifty thousandths, and so they're not quite as tight of, of tolerance. They're a little more reasonable to buy. I think they're very very good for um, training purposes, 
at, in the entry levels and as you're beginning. So the flaws are a little, not quite as big, or actually they're bigger. Um, they're easier to find. So it's kind of a, kind of a walk before you run kind of thing. So the standards are, are, are easy to get into. You, they're, um, they're very simple. They're, they're very practical to certain types of industries. Um, they're a pipe, they're a T, they're um, a shackle, a bolt. Um, they're very, what we call them practical, they're practical exams. And um, so then we go into the, um, like industry specific, we have some that are have specific weld joints um, for like API. We have certain types of pipes, certain types of joint configurations for AWS. We also have some that we have some that are built towards um, the bridge uh, industry, uh, the D15. And then we also have some that are built towards D18, um, which is the um, seismic code, which came out in 2005. And so that required uh, inspectors to do um, 20, evaluate 20 flaws and get graded on that before they could do work in uh, areas where they have seismic activity or that, or that code is called out. Um, the API ones we have are based on helping people pass certain tests from API. We have some ASME-based ones that, have, um, that are based off certain uh, specifications within ASME. Um, but those are specific to code types. And then we have some what we call advanced type flow. Those are um, which is our have the highest tolerance um, or, or highest quality, and those are at at, at point uh, zero four zero tolerance. So our flaws are all within uh, forty thousandths. So those are very tight and uh, usually smaller flaws, and a little more difficult to find. And um, and then we also have what we call the custom specimens, and custom specimens are spilt. Are built just like they say they're built customized for a particular industry or a particular customer that has a certain type of um, condition that they want to verify or assure that the inspectors that come to look at those can find those flaws they definitely have to find um, which is usually these are um, could be fracture critical connections um, they could be something that uh, if something fails at this point this is a critical failure time. It's not going to be, um, it's going to be in the structure pretty much as in its serviceability. So they're very critical and um, they're built very specifically um, to a customer's own needs. So we, we, we cover the full gamut of types of flaws and types of uh, flawed specimens, I guess you would say. And the custom ones are actually the most fun for me because it, it requires us to really look at it and, and work with the customer and and it's really nice when you achieve exactly and they they pick up the they pick up their piece or get it delivered and they look at it and scan it and say you know this is exactly what i needed you know it's a, it's, it's that's a real um good payback from your customer when you have provided them the specimen that's really fit for their purpose yeah and there's a little bit of more work up front with finding the right flawed specimen than right. you would expect right absolutely Absolutely. I mean, sometimes some of these are one ofs. I mean, like it, it, I keep going back to the amusement park thing, but I've used you know a lot of the rides that you go to at some of the bigger parks. There, there's only one like that one, so it, that's the only design that's going to be exactly like that. And bridges are a lot like that too. Um, you know, certain configurations of bridge, you go to the 
San Francisco Bay Bridge. There's connections on that that aren't on any other bridge. You go to another bridge somewhere else, they have similar connections, but they're not exactly the same. It's very important to get a configuration that resembles what you're actually doing to get your best results. So when you talk about bridges and roller coasters, it kind of uh, makes it pretty easy for me to imagine your answer to the next question I have for you, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyways. That's and okay. I'm going to say, what are the uh, potential consequences for not using a realistically flawed specimen? Well, the, the unfortunately, the ultimate, um, the ultimate uh, failure is actually someone loss of life. Um, you know, it, it, losing service of a is losing service of a product or losing service of a piece of equipment is really not very important. Um, but the the ultimate is the loss of life, and um, critical failures can cause that to happen. I know you're you're probably very familiar with the the fireball incident at, uh, at the state fair a few years back, um, where a section of a ride flew off at the Ohio State Fair, and two people were killed. Um, that was not an inspection problem, though. That was a, uh, they, the inspectors were never told to inspect this part that failed. And that was, that was a design issue. And they should have, they determined when to inspect that and what to inspect. But that also takes, the thing is, inspection takes the engineering group and everybody has to play a role in the quality of a piece to know when to inspect it. Um, aviation world has done a really good job and, and petrochemical do as well for fitness of service so they know when what timelines they have and when they need to inspect and what things need to inspect at certain times because they know that the wear and tear of their particular part is when it has to be looked at to avoid those kind of things and the amusement park ride guys designers do the same thing they allocate the timelines and when things are inspected and when they should be inspected but on that particular ride, they didn't outline uh, to inspect for this particular, the corrosion type flaw that caused that failure. So last year, you joined our podcast to discuss your work on the Las Vegas High Roller, which is the world's largest observation wheel, kind of in the same vein of these roller coasters and amusement park rides we talk about. Yep. Uh, did flawed specimens uh, factor into that project? Yeah, actually, now this was a little different. We were, we were fabricating this in China. Um, so they actually built a mock-up there in the fab shop, which does happen on lots of fabrication type jobs. Um, so they built an actual mock-up of the attachment, which was their most critical area. Um, this was fracture critical area, um, on the ride where the drive rail, uh, meets the, uh, the ring assembly. And, uh, they mocked up that exact, um, location they put some flaws in um, we in, both the uh, fabricators inspectors and our inspectors checked the parts and then they destructively destructively took apart the mock-up to verify um, the flaws in the in the uh, we actually did some tinsel tests as well to make sure the weld strength was correct and um, we also did um, some sharp UV notches in the welds to ensure that the strength of the welds were proper and then it also very validated that the flaws we did find were the sizes and, and locations we said they were. So it was actually, you know, it was a mock-up made to, to be just to be destructively tested as well, which we get those sometimes too. We get, we make up parts sometimes and we send them someplace and people destructively test our parts after they brought them apart. So it's kind of interesting to get feedback on that as well. 
when they destructively test it and say, oh, yeah, it does really look like the flaw you said it was. So. Yeah, and you're like, exactly. That's what we're going for. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked a little bit earlier about your work with Flawtech, but I wanted to yeah. see if there's anything else you wanted to share about what that company does. Well, sure. Um, Flawtech is, like you said, it's been around for 19, since 1982. Um, and we're, we're heavily involved with AS&T. Um, John, the president, has served on the board and he's still on the um, finance the committee. Um, we believe heavily in uh, giving back to the to the industry, and uh, we actually we enjoy working with everybody out there. And our our main purpose is to make flawed specimens fit for the customer's um, intended purpose. So we we guarantee our product. If it doesn't work the way you need it or want it, we will work with you to get you the piece you need or the specimen you need. And um, um, actually, we're actually getting ready to open a new division of Flawtech, which is um, we're going to be calling it Gladio. Um, and it's going to be uh, what we're calling NDT Tactics. And basically to help um, different companies uh, develop mock-ups for themselves or training to uh, specific applications. Um, I recently did some work with a, uh, a steel steel manufacturer in Middletown, Ohio, AK Steel, and they had some particular issues with some railroad rail. We actually made the mock-ups here, and we brought them here on site um, to train with their um, single rail uh, rolling machine, their UT machine that rolls on a single rail, and they were actually, we did some extra training on that, and then we took them out and used used their, their actual mock-ups to help calibrate and set up their machines so when they went back to work. They were able to um, take a real life application right to work and go to work with it. So that was a, that was a pretty fun thing to do. So we're looking to do more of that work with the within the NDT community and help um, bridge the gaps where different companies are trying to get to different uh, different areas and to improve. Um, really stay along with the ASD mantra mantra and stay uh, you know create a safer world. Um, the better we make our technicians. Um, the more likely we'll have less incidents. And we don't have that many now, but uh, zero is always a good number for, for yeah. failures. It's, it's interesting to think about the fact that the better you get at making something that is bad or flawed, uh, the yeah. safer the world gets, right? Yeah, it is kind of contradictory. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, you know, having a really good flawed sample is important for technicians to... Um, the, the better they train on realistic flaws, the better they get at, at finding the real flaws in the real situation. There's never been a better time to grow your NDT knowledge. ASNT Learn is here for you. ASNT Learn has continued to expand its offerings, making it your one-stop shop for the latest in NDT learning. Register for in-person refresher courses, or find the perfect webinar to take the next step in your NDT education. SNT Learn also offers plentiful free resources, such as NDT handbook glossaries and demo videos. Visit asnt.org/learn to take the step up in your NDT career. That's asnt.org/learn.
So if somebody were to purchase one of the different kits of flawed specimens that Flawtech offers, what can they expect to come in the kit? Um, the kits, we have various kits for different methods of NDT. Um, I guess we have, we have our, our standard kits, we have our advanced kits, and uh, but usually you get between 5 and 15 pieces of uh, 15 specimens, um, ranging from uh, about... 15 flaws up to about 50 flaws. We have the one that I was talking about with 15 specimens. That's our um, our traveler kit. It's a, our AWS um, for CWIs. It's a, a visual kit that is made of polyurethane. And um, we actually sent our flawed samples up to a place to get molded. And then the, this traveler kit weighs less than, less than 15 pounds. But it gives you a way to um, look at these samples and uh, train people in visual inspection. And it gives you lots of different flaws to look at. Um, we have like we have the API kits, which will have four specimens in it and three flaws in each. Um, and we have a variety of flaws we can put in. Um, we have some masters already made for a lot of our kits that we have an A, B, C, D. So you can buy multiple kits. Um, some of the larger service companies will buy different kits for different locations of their company um, and then they'll swap them around so that uh, their technicians uh, can't get too used to testing out on the, the same pieces so they don't recognize them so that uh, and we mix up the flaws with them and uh, actually some of our customers even have us make perfectly good samples to uh, test their personnel to make sure they will not uh, when they're taking a test they're not uh, being overcautious and calling things they shouldn't call. So, <laughs> sounds like you keep a lot of people on their toes out there. Yes, I, th I think it's it's really it's really kind of fun for me, having been in the service industry and uh, and getting feedback from people. It's uh, I I really enjoy it. Yeah, Ricky, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, oh, you're very where welcome. can people find you if they if they want to learn a little bit more about you or get in touch? Well, Kitty, you can find us just about anywhere, but um, <laughs> you, we're, we're, uh, our website is one of our best places to um, start, um, www.flawtech.com. And we've actually just started a blog. Um, last week was my first blog on there. So we got a blog that we're going to start talking about um, some of our specimens and give more in depth about each specimen. And you can probably check out the blog at some point. But we also on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. And uh, we put uh, different pictures of us doing in different phases of fabrication and just uh, a little bit of what we do there. We can't, give you, can't always give you everything because some of it's preparatory. We can't get too close on how we actually do what we do because we want to keep doing it <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, but we do show, you know, some of the stuff we recently um, – had a post on um, on on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram where we had an eight inch thick piece that weighed fourteen hundred pounds on a um, a stand that we made specifically for it and with one finger I could spin it around and stop it and we actually had pins where you could stop it in a in a horizontal position a vertical position or at forty five degrees so we also make stands to hold these some of these large pieces. Um, but uh, it, we, I mean, we've done 30-foot long pipe sections. It's, it's pretty neat. We get a wide, very wide variety of things we get to 
get to manufacture from very, very small things um, that we're not allowed to know what they are. Even we've gotten materials that someone just says, put a flaw in this and um, this is what we want. And we're not telling you what it is. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are giving me a run for my money when it comes to social media. This all sounds pretty cool. We're trying. <laughs> we're, tr we're trying to be, uh, you know, have a, a, a social footprint to some extent. Um, it's It's been, uh, I've learned from uh, certain other ASNT members like Mary Beth and some of these other people that uh, we need to have a social footprint nowadays, even though I'm a, a little, few more gray hairs than most people do, but we, I'm, I'm staying pretty social, social savvy. If I try, I try anyway. I love it. Well, thank you again, Ricky. This has been awesome. No problem. That's what, that's what makes it fun though. I, that's what really I really like about the NDT industry is that we always get to learn something new every day and, uh, and, uh, we're doing a good thing every day. So thank you very much, Kitty. You're welcome.